very good morning to you. Welcome mm. along our uh, final gardening program before the summer break. Before the summer break. Cork, yeah, good back. morning. How good are you? Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, listeners. Yeah, and we'll be back in September again. Yeah, so it's been a long run now since March, hasn't it? Eh, well, it, I, I haven't <laughs> you, found it to be that long time, myself. Time has gone quick, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so we would uh, maybe preface uh, the program this morning by saying, if you do have a question, a question. for Boric this morning, <laughs> you want to get it into us today because there'll be a big gap before we get to it again. Uh, so just a quick reminder of how you do that. It's 087-900-4141 if you're texting and our text service with thanks to Carab Delhi and 0818-3055 and Teresa is working on the programme with us this morning. Now, we were just having a quick chat off air there. Um, I know the weather has taken a little bit of a downward slide mm. over the last couple of weeks cooler. and it's pretty wet in fairness. Uh, some very torrential rain during the week. A lot of heavy rain, a lot of heavy rain certainly and next week we're into cooler uh, Atlantic um, typical fronts coming in from the Atlantic which means rain and westerly winds and kind of cooler temperatures. Yeah. So how's that kind of affecting our gardens now at this stage? Because we had this fantastic start you know in we the earlier part of June or May and we had these gorgeous temperatures. And June were just yeah and everything started just shooting up and now they're getting well, a bit of a battering are they? It started to shoot up and then things started to slow down you know as we got into the third week of very warm weather mm. people's lawns were beginning to show a little bit of yellowing you know they are beginning to slow down the clover was being in it come to the fore the last two weeks 10 days to two weeks certainly growth is extremely strong fueled really by the heat that's in the soil by the amount of moisture that we've been having those showery heavy showers have fueled growth so if people look around their gardens trees are absolutely fantastic at the moment there's ginormous amount of new growth uh, over the last two to three weeks same with Things, common things like hedges mm. and, and, and so on. They're all growing really well. I suppose when we get into this kind of cooler, wet weather, Deirdre, you're going to see a lot of things like, um, f- you know, uh, diseases on, on plants in particular, bits of mildew, bits, bits of black spot, apple scab, um, you know, a bit of black spot on roses, that sort of thing. So mm. plants that are a bit susceptible to disease problems, it's a good idea to use a fungicide and treat them. Blight, of course, is um, when we get this humid, wet weather. We've ha- mentioned that for the last week or two, just to prevent any bl- blight problems a good idea to put on a preventive spray yeah. now so during the kind of snippets of dry weather it is a good idea just to keep um, on top of things like roses fruit trees potatoes tomatoes those sort of plants and put on a preventative uh, fungicide at this time of year the other thing I've noticed and, and a number of people have remarked to me the amount of weed growth at the moment mare's tail for example and many of the weeds are beginning to start to flower now things like the Japanese knotweed that we talked about a couple of weeks back mm. that, that's going to be coming into flower very shortly so you know, generally a, a sense of keeping the garden tidy, keeping on top of the weeds as well, because they are vigorously growing. And um, if you allow them to seed, they're just going to be a problem in the autumn and, and next year as well. So keep an eye on that and, and keep them uh, treated and, and hoed or, or spray them out. Right. Um, Again, for things like patios and driveways, again, we're seeing a little bit of moss coming back, some weeds coming back. So again, my advice really, again, in dry weather is just to keep that tidy um, and again, treat it before it becomes a problem. So at this time of year, and as we come into late June, July, it's a kind of tidying up of the garden. It's just controlling those weeds, keeping an eye on plants that may be susceptible to pests and diseases. And But it's also great planting weather. It's really, really good planting weather. So if listeners, I mean, I, I was just looking at a lawn um, locally where I live. It was only sown literally uh, less than two weeks ago. Right. And it's absolutely beautiful at the moment. So the growing conditions have been really good for people sowing seeds, sowing lawns in particular, um, for planting trees and shrubs. So there's enough moisture there and enough heat still in the soil. If plants go in now, they're actually just going to jump out of the ground. Excellent. Whereas 
the good weather in May and June, it, it was getting a little it, bit dry. It was too warm, yeah. Well, too know, warm, it, it was, yeah, it was actually. So it's really good planting weather. Um, so we generally associate the planting of plants in autumn or early spring but actually this time of year midsummer when you get these growing conditions it's perfect for planting trees shrubs um, herbaceous plants I was actually admiring a lot of the herbaceous uh, border flowers the perennial plants that come back year after year mm-hmm. lots of them are coming into flower at the moment things like the um, lovely coreopsis which is a lovely yellow flowering plant a short a uh, bushy little plant that produces these bright orange yellowish flowers at this time of year really colourful it flowers every year Coryopsis a little dwarf variety things like the arum lilies are brilliant at the moment they do they look fantastic Aren't they? Yeah, they, yeah. they're super really this year and that's because of the cooler wet conditions we're having at the moment and, they're, and they seem to be lasting as well you know sometimes they kind of come and they're gone again fairly yeah, quickly but I, I notice in my own uh, neighbourhood a few of my neighbours have them and they're in they're really gorgeous they're really altogether. good now mm. if you cut them regularly if you take the flowers off them on a regular basis with the arum lily they'll continue to flower you'll get them flowering up to mid to late September if you regularly trim them back um, the interesting thing with arum lilies is actually that the flower the lovely white trumpet shaped flower isn't a petal it's a leaf really, it's a leaf it's a modified yeah. leaf yeah did you know that? I don't know, because I was looking at them recently and I, I, I said, oh yeah, I said, is that the leaf? That, yeah. As it unfurls, it begins, the top of it becomes white and that's really what that's the it. flower part is. It is. It's yeah. a modified leaf. It's a leaf that over centuries has modified itself into being that fantastic white colour. Um, and it's similar to poinsettias. Poinsettias, the red coloration in poinsettias is modified leaves. They're, the oh. flower is a tiny, tiny little thing in the very centre. And the same with the arum lily. The, the, the actual flower is, is the yellow part in the very, very centre. But arum lilies also come in dwarf varieties. So people would be familiar with the common one that mm, grows that really tall. Very, yeah. But there are short varieties, some lovely varieties, yellow varieties, orange varieties, somewhat speckled flowers that only grow about a foot and a half to two feet. So if you want a kind of a short, compact arum lily, this is the time of year. They're available in garden centres at the moment. They come in pinks and oranges, yellows, speckled white. Some have speckled leaves as well. And they're all perennial in that they come back year after year. So do you have to do anything then with them as no. when they fly? You just, just let them die back? You just let them die A bit like the back. daffodils or whatever. Same as the ordinary arm lily. They're yeah. exactly the same family, except they're just they're dwarf varieties in different colours. And you let, allow them exactly to die back. They die back to a bulb and then they re-emerge again. Um, so they're really nice. They're very short, very colourful, um, and they're flowering at the moment. I think they're fantastic and they do come back year after year. Also, it's the time of year for things like dahlias. They're just starting to flower now. Um, And again, at this time of year, actually I was admiring lupins flowering um, in a, of all places, in a four-court car park. Oh, well, why not? And the reason that caught my eye was that the bees, they were absolutely covered in bees, in honeybees. And you could see the... the, um, Honeybees very active on the, on the lupins, um, but they're flowering at the moment. There's lots of really good plants like that: sweet williams, dianthus, the dwarf dahlias, and the aramillis that I mentioned, the coreopsis, all blooming now. But all can be planted at this time of year as well. So there's very much that sense of planting um, conditions are ideal. And trees at this time of year, again, it's a good time to select a tree because all trees are in full leaf and some are in flower. So you've got the lovely uh, cornus stellar, stellar pink, which mm-hmm. is in bloom at the moment, the lovely pink flowers. You've You've got plants like weeping cotoneasters that have the lovely white flowers at the moment. Uh, again, the honeybees are on those, but they'll produce lovely berries now as we come into autumn. But also trees for foliage colour, like the maples. 
they're really great at the moment. The Japanese maples and also the broadleaf maples, Acer Drummondii, Acer Crimson King, Acer Crimson Century. Fantastic foliage colour at the moment. So in terms of selecting a tree, if you're going into your local garden centre, it's a great time because you can see it in flower or you can see it in full leaf. And lastly, roses. This is the time for roses. And again, a really good time to start planting roses um, because again, they're in flower. So if you select a rose in your local garden centre, you can smell the rose, you can see the colour, you can see the habit, how high it's going to grow. And in terms of planting them now, if you look after them in terms of feeding and deadheading the old flowers, they'll continue to flower often up to Christmas. Okay. And somebody asked me during the week after us discussing um, taking cuttings last oh, yeah. week on the programme about the cutting of roses. Yeah. And I couldn't quite remember, was it well, now? Th- actually, the, Theresa asked me that question. Yeah, and because so, somebody door. else had said... Is it, do you not wait until a kind of August or the autumn time to do... You can do that if you wish. Mm. So there's, there's, there's two times of year, twice yearly, okay. you can take... Oh, OK, good, good. <laughs> you can take cuttings. So we take cuttings at this time of year off soft wood. R- right. So they're called soft wood cuttings. And they're literally the cuttings of this year's growth. So they're green. They're not woody. They're not stemmy and mm-hmm. hard. They're actually quite soft. You strip off the leaves. You strip off any of the flowers, exactly like I did it last week. Yes. Insert it in rooting powder and take a short cutting. Therese was asking me about a scented rose that yeah. she was admiring. And could she take a slip of it? And the answer is you can. Get yourself a polythene bag, Put take the cuttings, put them into the bag, bring them home, take off the leaves, take off the flower and the flower buds, dip them into rooting powder, sit them in the size of a cup, yeah. size pot you will fit six to eight cuttings comfortably into that cover them with a polythene bag like a milky bag that a butcher type okay. bag and sit them on a windowsill okay we'll and have to compare our notes Teresa because I did uh, my aunt has uh, roses that are 70 years old they're white climbing roses beautiful yeah and uh, after the programme last week and I was visiting and we saw I said oh I've got to take a few of those now and see <laughs> so I have 12 slips, very good uh, growing now I don't know if they're growing I didn't do the polythene bag bit. Well, it, it, they're yeah. inside. That's well, yeah, that's fine. Keep inside, inside a patio door. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And don't worry too much about the polythene bag because you've stripped off most of the leaves. I, anyway. I, yes, I just left the one leaf. I yeah. did exactly what you did the, the last day, well, so we'll see. The idea of the polythene bag, putting it over it, it just stops the need for watering the compost. Okay. So you just keep an eye. I gave it a drop of water during that's the week. Just keep an eye on that, that it doesn't get um, dry out. It'll take about three weeks. Oh, good, because they're looking a bit... Three to four weeks. They were looking a bit... Mm, this morning. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I thought, oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's worked. I might have to go back for another Three slip. to four weeks. And so when I'm back in September... Yeah, well, okay. I tell you, if I grow a rose, Warwick... <laughs> it will grow. I will come and present uh, you with the pot. <laughs> one of the 12. Uh, yeah. One of the 12. <laughs> you can have one of the 70-year-old roses. But this is a great time of year, and that was the point I was making last week, is that for slip plants in general and it can be common things like fuchsias, hydrangeas, it can be all the various types of roses can be slipped at this time of year. Plants like variegated poplars which are showing great colour at the moment. Plants like Wigilia, Forsythia, there's so many plants that you can slip from cuttings but just take small pencil thick less than pencil length, even half pencil length and that's all you need to start off a new plant. Okay. <clears throat> like I was even talking to you last week about you know even think common things like uh, hanging basket plants like trailing petunias, uh, trailing fuchsias, trailing geraniums, even ordinary geraniums mm. you can take cuttings from at this time of year. Many many plants you can actually try at this time of year. But in, in the patio, a windowsill, in a greenhouse tunnel, that sort of area is perfect 
and it'll only take three or four weeks for okay. them to germinate oh, or to rouge. But remember the little bit of rouging powder, pop them into that yeah, before did, you insert them into the compost. So you've done everything I've perfect. Done, I, so did all, no. I did all that, but I, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> oh, time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> I so don't have a great track record in these things. Now, if people want to pop on to my Facebook page, I put a list of summer gardening jobs that could be done at this time of year. Um, so if you pop on to uh, Pori Corkin on the Facebook, there's a, a list of things that people can do at this time of year. And I've shared some of the pictures in terms of taking cuttings, how to do that, the steps. That's Great. on there since from last week From as last well. week. Okay, well, we might have to... So no excuses. I might just have to refer back to see how, yeah. uh, how I, I did things. It sounds like you've done everything perfect. Uh, right, well, we'll, 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 time will tell. September is coming. Okay, Pori, questions. We I want to turn to uh, one on the email. This actually came in last week now, um, but we just didn't get a chance to get to it. So this is kind of an addendum to a question we got earlier in March about a pond. Okay. Um, a listener in Swinford, so good morning to you. Um, at the time, they had algae in their pond, okay, and yeah. the advice given was, to use the barley straw liquid. The barley straw, yeah. So uh, the listener inquired about purchasing the product, uh, but the pond now it appears is more is a little it's like a mini lake. Okay. It's got it has a capacity of nine thousand gallons. Oh, right, so okay. buying that amount of barley straw liquid would be very expensive, not really feasible for them. So they're wondering: is there any other solution? And when does the algae season end? Okay. Well, that's algae. Algae bloom. It's often called um, blanket weed or, or green soup because it has that characteristic greening of yes. the water and you'd often see the algae floating on the top and, and particularly when we get um, very bright weather, particularly if your pond is, is in a sunny location it's getting that direct sunlight and you don't have a lot of plants in the pond you tend to get algae bloom because it, it just it just relishes that, those sort of conditions um, the algae season is really from any time from April right through until late August, September when we still when we're still in the kind of some of the key summer months during the winter at all dies away again. Yeah, it's all about temperatures really, it is. isn't it? It's temperatures and also if you've got pla- if you've got a lot of fish in the pond and if there's a lot of sludge in the bottom of the pond, you, there's lots of nutrients and the more nutrients that are in the water, yeah. the more algae you get. Right. So that hence you'd often see with many lakes uh, where there's a lot of mm. um, fertilizer running off um, you know the um, where, where it might be just beside farmland or correct whatever. and it's running down into the water mm. you get a lot of algae bloom and particularly this year many ponds or many lakes are actually mm-hmm. suffering from an awful lot of weed growth and particularly pond weed to get rid of it the, the barley straw extract each bottle covers about a thousand gallons so, they so nine bottles. the bottles to do it so it is a it's a big area to treat the other way, way you could do it is a if you can add a lot of surface plants, so things like water hyacinths or plants to the pond, cuts down on the surface area and helps to stop with the, the sunlight coming through. Or else you can add, and in addition, you can add barley straw bales themselves. So the, the ordinary farmer bale Bales. of barley straw, if it's put into a pond and submerged in a pond, mm. as it's breaking down, it releases enzymes that actually control blanket wheat. And that's what the barley straw extract is actually made, made from. from. Yes, manufactured right. from. And that's really the only, I mean, you know, you can do, a, there's a certain amount of raking out of the of the um, algae that can be mm. done, but that's a big job in a, in, a, in a large pond. So really, planting up will, will certainly help, um, particularly uh, those plants that float along the surface, like water hyacinths, they, they grow quite quickly and cover the surface of, of the water. But also... Th- 
adding things like the, the bales of barley straw into physically into the pond will help to reduce it as well. Okay, well, the very best of luck, uh, Swinford listener, with uh, the algal bloom. Hopefully you'll be able to control uh, it. Control it yeah, and every pond anyway. will have a certain amount of it. And it kind of comes back every year it then, does. doesn't it? It does, yeah. it does. And it's, a, it's, a man, it's more kind of managing it than it, and then you'll never eradicate it fully. Now, tomatoes, pork. I have tomato plants from two foot high to six foot high. Six foot, right. Uh, I know a tomato plant that's also <laughs> six foot high. Not flowers, uh, but or any sign of setting. Um, pen thick stem. Good. Joe is in Kalala. Okay. Well, look, it's not flowering for for Joe, and um, the fact that they're six feet tall, it's, you know, Joe could be one of the ways to control the growth of tomato plants and plants in general is just to hold back a little bit on the watering yeah. of them. Now, remember that tomatoes have just come into flower in the last couple of weeks. Some are beginning to set fruit, those that were sown particularly early. Um, so there's plenty of time yet for to allow those plants to come into bloom. What I would do with the six foot tall ones is actually take the top of them out, take four or five inches of the very top stem out now, pinch it out, literally. That'll stop it growing any higher and it'll help to encourage it to start to flower. Mm-hmm. Cut back on the watering a little bit as well. So, you know, at this time of year, about once a week is going to be sufficient um, and that'll help to bring it into flowering. Also high potash feeds, so tomato feeds in general. And again, you're feeding tomato pl- plants roughly about once a fortnight at this time mm. of year. As they start to set fruit, that switches to once a week. But there's plenty of time to play for yet. We're only at the end of June. Tomatoes will flower through July and even through August and set their fruit from you know August right through to September, October. So I wouldn't worry just yet. Okay. And How I, is that plant, by the way? The well, the... we were talking about the grafted plant that uh, is in my mother's patio yeah. now and it's uh, as big as the door. <laughs> you can't get in the door <laughs> anymore. You nearly, actually, you nearly can't. You have to be careful coming in the front door um, because it. I noticed uh, the last two weeks it seems to have just exploded and um, unlike Joe's plant, it has got um, flowers and there are, I see some fruit gathering now okay. as well. Was it the on, cherry or was it the... Do you I know, I don't, I, I can't quite I remember. And I asked her cherries. that question the other day and she can't find the little label, label that was with right. it. So we're a little unsure. I think it looks like a cherry, but from what's forming, they do look cherry-like, cherry-like. to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, And you'll find that with the, with particularly with the grafted uh, tomatoes, they are very, very vigorous, but they they produce a hell of amount of fruit. I mean, yeah, there'll be so literally hundreds of fruit on that plant. I promise you, there August, will there September. will be there will be tomato um, pro- pro- products. Yeah, come <laughs> September. <laughs> well, look at yeah. the key thing with tomatoes at the moment is continue to take the side shoots out, continue to keep them um, staked. Obviously, when they come to that six foot height, stop them from growing any further. Watering about once a week, particularly with this sort of weather, and then liquid feeding. Your mammoth plant will need feeding at least once a week oh, because I, th- I think that's what it's getting yeah, if not because a bit more. It, it's beginning to produce its yeah. fruit. Those that aren't flowering or fruiting once a fortnight is sufficient and there's, there's plenty of time yet for them to come into flower and fruit. Okay, somebody wondering about earthworms. They don't see any earthworms around mm. and they tell us the ground wasn't sprayed. Well, I mean, look, there's, earthworms feed off organic matter. Mm. They feed off uh, plenty of organic manure and leaf litter and all that. Particularly when the weather gets dry, they go down possibly a metre into the soil and when we get wet weather like this they come back up to the surface as well so you know they're there they're there um, but um, particularly for gardens that have a lot of organic matter added farm of manure or or compost you'll see a lot of uh, activity uh, activity yeah (laughs)
Blueberries doing very nicely. I have big green fruits. What feed should I use and when do they turn blue? The label is Darrow variety. Right, so Darrow is a self-fertile variety, so that'll bear fruit and so on. And the fruit are quite large. They often will grow nearly up to grape size, so they're quite big on that particular variety. Um, Look, at that's perfectly natural. The fruit are green at the moment. They won't start to colour till the middle of July, early August, and feed them with an ericaceous feed. So all blueberry plants are lime haters that dislike um, lime in the soil. Good idea actually to water them because when you are feeding them, wash them with a bit of rainwater if you can. Um, but if not, just regular water mixed with the ericaceous feed, again about once a fortnight, and that'll keep them keep them uh, keep, keep yeah it'll help to ripen the fruit that little bit quicker as well. Lovely. But they'll they're that's they're as the listener describes and they're absolutely perfect that's in the, they're in the right condition at the moment My camellia and rhododendrons have flowered beautifully this summer I'd like to take some rooted stems from them what can I can I do this now and how do I do it Yeah and, and it's difficult with rhododendrons so, certain plants are very easy like we ta- start taught to the top of the programme like the roses and the fuchsias others like rhododendrons azaleas um, pieris forest flame crinodendrons they can be a little bit more tricky camellias from stem cuttings they're often better rooted with the rooting globe you know the little yes, globe? Yes, the cutting globe, yeah. Yeah, or the cutting globe, that's that's the word. Um, so the uh, use that at this time of year. So all you do is you take a stem, take off, leave the stem attached to the mother plant, strip off one or two of the leaves to create a bare section and literally cut into the stem without cutting through it. So you, you mark or scar the stem. Fit the cutting globe around the actual um, damaged piece or, or scarred piece, a little bit of rooting powder, seal it up and leave the, ro- the cutting globe on the plant and the, the stems will actually uh, produce roots. Once you see the roots coming out on the edge of the globe, you cut it off, the stem off from the mother plant, which will be about six to eight, maybe nine weeks from now. Right. Um, so we're looking at autumn period. You just cut it from the mother plant, pot it up and grow it on. So the cutting globe is the little device to use for Fine. those more difficult like rhododendrons, azaleas, camellias, and so on. And this is a great time. This is the time of year to do that. Great. Rita is wondering, can she put 10, 10, 20 on the lawn at this time of the year? Well, the answer is you can. But the only thing is you'll get, be careful what you what you wish for, because putting 10, 10, 20 on is going to just give you very, very strong you'll growth. You'll cutting the grass. You sure will. It's right. high nitrogen. Um, you get an immediate effect, but you get very, very, look at, for most lawns, you want to feed them very slowly. And the difference between 10, 10, 20 and a, and a proprietary lawn fertiliser is that 10, 10, 20 feeds very rapidly. It's designed to release its nutrition very quickly, so you get rapid growth. It tends to push the grass on and stretch the grass as well. Mm. Whereas ordinary, regular lawn feeds will feed slowly. The nitrogen is released in a slow, controlled manner. So you get greening, but no forced growth. So I wouldn't advise putting 10, 10, 20 on your lawn. Put on a proprietary lawn fertiliser and it'll give that lovely green effect without pushing the grass on. And it's a great time of year, actually, for feeding lawns in general, particularly with this rainfall. And in feeding plants, if you want to feed your laurels or your trees and shrubs or give your roses a feed, particularly with the rain, we're promised tomorrow and yeah. into next week get a bit of fertiliser on now it'll it'll work wonders on plants I didn't treat my potatoes with the blight spray I'm, am I too late with all this wet weather now I have Satanta and Records planted advice please okay well Satanta is a blight resistant variety anyway okay, really great so Irish variety so that one should be fine I mean unless Unless we're going to get prolonged wet period, I wouldn't bother spraying Satanta. I think you'll find it it's well able to stand up to any blight. The other variety was record, wasn't it? So that is yeah. blight sensitive. So I would treat that. Again, we're, the afternoon is promised dry. It's still 
perfect weather. If you get an hour or two of dry weather, that's not uh, that's that's all you need because the treatment I mentioned was is one made by Bayer, which is um I think it's Bayer Blight treatment is is it's what it's called. It's systemic. So once you put it onto the plant, it enters the system of the plant. It won't be washed off with with rain that'll come an hour or two later. So it actually works within the system. So if you get that window of an hour or two of dry weather, you can still... So plant, so varieties like Curse Pink, Records, mo- many of the main crop varieties, roosters, would want some blight protection. I think the Met Iron have a yellow blight warning at the moment. Uh, I don't know right. if I... Uh, did I mention anything on that No, front? you didn't no, mention no, anything, didn't but I think if, from their website, I think it's a yellow at the moment. Um, so no harm to put to on an application in dry weather. Okay just to prevent prevent it. Early, you know, the the um, first earlies, you're nearly going to be digging those in the next That's week or two, so yeah. there's no real need to, to treat those. But certainly main crop varieties will benefit from it. Now, is it okay to cut back dahlias and hollyhocks to prevent them from growing too high and falling over? Okay, well, okay, so what the listener is trying to do here is hollyhock is that lovely herbaceous cottage garden plant that can grow up to six feet in height. Mm. Um, fantastic plant, lovely, lovely colour on it. Um, so... To stop it growing very tall and leggy, and same with dahlias, rather than cutting it back, all you do is you pinch the leading shoots out. So dahlias, I would guess at this stage, are around 18 inches to 2 feet in height. So you're literally taking about 4 or 5 inches of the the top growth, any of the stem growth, and removing that. So it's a method of called pinching out, because it's literally between your finger and your thumb, you literally remove, you pinch back the stem, removing the top growth. What that does is encourage the stem to produce two or three new shoots, thus keeping the overall plant down, lower, mm. but also increasing the amount of flower you're going to get from the plant. So it's a very good idea for a lot of tall herbaceous plants to actually pinch them at this That's time of year. Or if you say fuchsias growing in the garden and they're getting a little bit leggy, uh-huh. take an inch or, t- or take about four, three or four inches off the tops of the young growth and that'll encourage the plant to reshoot again and on that new growth, it reflowers. So it's pinching back. It's one of the things I would have been showing um, anybody that came to the hanging basket demos a couple of weeks back. You can do it with all plants, but particularly tall, leggy plants like sweet peas, like hollyhock, um, dahlias. You pinch those back, you'll have a fatter, fuller, more colourful plant. Excellent. Um, a question for the gardening programme. Yes, that's where we are at. Uh, we have big white spots on the footpath. It is like a growth. Is there any spray to use to get rid of it? Okay, so that's algae. Okay. Come back to our algae. Um, this is on the ground rather than in the water. There's all sorts of forms of, of algae. So similar to, to mosses, algae grow on concrete surfaces um, and they can, they can be yellow, they can be yellows, they can be whites, they can be red algae. You'd often see them on walls, you know, the house oh, walls the that red, turn yes, red, yes, right? Yes, yeah. So that's algae growth. If you apply pack, so spray that on in dry weather, and within seven to ten days, just power hose off the area that'll get rid of it. Um, and it's a good idea. The pack will control mosses, lichens, and algae on hard surface areas, so slates, tiles, walls, paving, tarmac areas. That's where to apply it. Um, it takes generally about seven days to work. You need to apply it on dry weather, and then you just it'll come off, come off. With, with a light power hosing um, afterwards. So that'll eliminate it. And that was the point I was making at the top of the programme. Mosses will start to creep back now into your patio areas. Um, so keep an eye on that and put on it. Better to kind of nip it in the bud yeah. than leave it till September, September and apply it then. So so apply a, an application of pack now and that'll control it. 
Okay. I've been thinning a couple of app questions on apples and apple trees. I've been thinning my apples. The June drop was not enough. All the books say to remove the king apple, which seems such (laughs) a shame. Why is this advice given? Okay, well, it's an interesting... What's the king apple? Well, first of all, apples and and, um, plants in general this year, remember that the, the flowered brilliantly... And we've had the perfect conditions in May and June for the bees to get out and do cross-pollination. So I was actually admiring a sycamore tree, um, a sycamore tree, I think I was saying this last week, the amount of seed that are on plants at the moment, and apples in particular have very heavy crops. Even pears this year um, are are fruiting very heavily. So it's going to be a great year for fruit in general. There there is a thing that we call the June drop. And during June, the month of June, apple trees abort about... 50% 50% of their apples, particularly in this summer where you get a very heavy crop as this year yes. is. So the trees themselves have this natural ability to drop half the seed or half the fruitlets. Because they know there's, no, there's no it's too much. Absolutely. You know, I often think the plants, <laughs> they're intuitive. Yeah. So they absolutely know that they cannot carry through 100% of the fruit. So there's a thing in June called the June drop and you'll see around the base of apple trees, small aborted young fruit, small little apples, right around the base. Mm-hmm. That's ter- totally natural. That's nature at, at its best, um, protecting the, the fruit that they, it feels will, they can carry through, mm. but aborting anything that's... And generally the abort, the smaller, weaker fruit are dropped to the bottom. So that's where you see that, that's perfectly natural, no need to panic. You can do a thing called thinning of fruitlets. So when you look then at what's left, and at this time of year, the first week of July is a good time to have a look at the actual fruitlets. And if there's more than three apples left on a cluster you need to take out the remainder and you start with the king apple the bit the large apple because it's going to take everything and so if you if you take it out and leave three smaller fruitlets you'll get three apples rather than just one large apple okay because if you leave the king on it's it's going, it's going to, to suck take all everything the, right, it's going to take everything from the others so so you can go out now i would leave it for possibly another week to 10 days and then look at the clusters and again just thin them out a little um, scissors or again, with your hand, they'll come off very easy. Just pluck them off. And that just allows the three fruitlets then per cluster to develop. Okay. And, you know, you're controlling. You get a better sized apple. You'll get more fruit on, on the plant as well. Um, so that thinning can be done. Now, it's really just done with um, apples, pears, plums could be thinned. Uh, if you had some peaches in the garden, maybe in the, in the greenhouse. Mm. Uh, it can also be done be- with grapes as well. It's a good idea to, as the grape bunches are beginning to form again, think about taking out some of the bunches uh, so that the grapevine isn't producing everything. With softer fruit like strawberries, blackcurrants, gooseberries, blueberries, there's no need to do that. You leave those alone. Okay. Uh, so for the person that had uh, the small apples, a lot of them at the base of the tree, uh, asking if they needed food, no, they need to be kind of take it yeah well, well first of all that's totally natural yeah. to see that happening and secondly have a look at the clusters and, yeah. and reduce them down to threes the other thing I would do is give uh, fruit trees in general a high potash feed so again a rose fertiliser or you can get sulfate of potash on its own and sprinkle that round the base of the trees the other thing that will happen in, in uh, week to ten days it's a good idea to actually prune back the apple trees so the long vegetative growth they've made this summer shorten that back by half so it looks a bit daft cutting the tree back when it's still in full leaf. Yeah. But if you do that, it helps to set Except. more fruit buds for next year. So in about another week's time, cut back the apple trees, all that whippy growth, shorten it back by 50% all over. How do we get rid of flies like daddy long legs in a tunnel? 
Well, the thing, Daddy Long Legs, first of all, are the, um, the adults of the leather jacket. So it is a very good idea to control them because they'll only lay eggs again back in the tunnel if you leave them there. I would use the, the smoke bomb if it's a relatively small tunnel. So that's the little smoke insecticide. You light it in the evening time, close up the tunnel, leave mm. it for two hours and that'll get rid of them. Or you can use an insecticide like PY spray which will control daddy long legs as well. But do do keep control of them because in a greenhouse they'll lay the eggs in the in the, in the, in the soil, soil yeah. and they'll feed then on anything you plant over the winter or right. spring of next year. And that'll be, that'll really annoy you. It sure will. Uh, brilliant crop of carrots this year. Your tip with the compost worked well. Do oh, they great. need some liquid feed now and what's the tip on the carrot root fly? Well, you need to control carrot root fly this time of year, particularly when you're thinning the, the actual um, seedlings, when you're going through them and kind of thinning them out a little bit, you're, you're excreting the scent of carrot, which the carrot root fly comes in on. So again, you can use the super nemos, which are very effective, mm. particularly at this time of year, or you can use proprietary carrot and root fly spray um, and drench the actual um, carrots just to protect them. But I, I would be in favour of the, certainly the super nemos work very well. Um, feeding, yeah, you could use a liquid feed, so the Osmo liquid fertilizer would be perfect for carrots at the moment and again ideal weather at the moment to give them a feed and just boost them on now i i, I one of my colleagues at work was telling me about a carrot they that they had grown uh, well they grew great carrots last year and there was a couple of left in the ground right so anyway they pulled this one fairly recently and they took a photograph of it because it was so extraordinary and i brought it in to show it to you and i know this is radio and it's very difficult for us uh, to uh, impart uh, the size of this carrot to everybody but it's huge <laughs> it's incredible so um i think this is her this is her daughter and i she's about 11 and as you can see the carrot is goes from the, at the top of her daughter's head down <laughs> kind of the middle of her torso. It's, so it's and it, it just it overwintered in the ground and um it was just one that didn't get pulled and well, and it's absolutely it's, it's the most huge. perfect it's a huge carrot yeah. but it's also quite perfect. There's no bumps, there's no lumps, no, it's as straight colour. as anything. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's absolutely a winner that one. It's a king carrot. That would win any competition. Yeah, in I said, any yeah, I said, you need show. to go to the agricultural shows yeah. of that, yeah. Uh, look it must, I'd say it's it weigh it must weigh four or five pounds in weight and uh, just looking at it here. And of course the winter has been so mild. Mm. You know that uh, things like certain root crops like uh, parsnips you can leave in the ground pretty much all winter uh, carrots normally you have to store them now you were saying to me that the ground is actually quite peaty isn't I, it yes so, so they live yeah. in the Glenamadi area all so right. good morning to the jeffersons um and uh yeah so it's a peaty it's a fairly peaty area yeah, that which would in. help you see yeah. it carrots love that because there's no very little stone it's a pretty free draining and um, if anything the the uh, peat kind of keeps the the, the the ground warm during the winter uh, you know, warm as in, as in yeah. an inverted brackets, but you know, it's a warmer, it's not a cold soil like a clay soil. Um, and again, of course, we've had such a mild winter, we had very, very little frost yeah. last winter, yeah. you know. So, so, so it obviously it died back in, in probably November and then started to sprout, sprout again, again in February yeah. and started to grow again. And took again. off again. That's from, absolutely yeah. incredible. So, yeah, anyway, it's incredible. We thought, so, <laughs> we just, I just said, I said, I think I, we might bring that in under the program today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's great to see it, it really yeah, is. And uh, you know, it just shows, and I suppose you're dealing with a root there. So naturally, if the frost wasn't there to damage it, it, it would it's store cooked. perfectly fine, you know. Which it has. Yeah, so in terms of carrots, the carrot root fly definitely, liquid feed with the Osmo. You can still sow the seed of carrot at, at the end of June. So you can still sow varieties like Eskimo or early Nantes. It's still ideal weather. This sort of temperatures, they germinate so easily at, the, at this time of year. Now, sweet potatoes, Porik. Uh, mm. My sweet potato plant is about four feet high now. Great. It's growing very strong. 
What do I feed it with, please? And when will it be ready for the table? Well, it'll be ready to eat at the end of October, early November. Leave it right up oh, until yes. as long as you can. I, I, I'm guessing it, it's, it may be in a tunnel or greenhouse. If it is, leave it certainly to mid-November. If it's out of doors, harvest a little bit earlier. But leave it as long as you can to mature. <clears throat> um, the plant itself is uh, it's a climbing plant. And um, it's in the morning glory family, the Ipinu family. So it'll grow like a sweet pea or a, or a clematis. It'll mm-hmm. grow right up on a, a trellis. Feed it with a liquid feed, um, the Osmo Universal feed, about every fortnight would be fine. Just keep, keep it trained then up along the stems and around the middle of October. We've got harvest it, just cut it back and, yeah, sweet potatoes. Uh, lovely. So um, easy to grow and, and really doesn't suffer from pest or diseases as well. So it's a... It's a bit of a general all-rounder. It is. Lupins broke with the wind. Will I cut them back? Also, should I cut back forest flame now? Forest flame? Well, if it's a bit late for cutting forest flame back. I often recommend cutting forest flame just as it's beginning to change from that peachy colour to green because you can often get a second flush of flower. Now, if you do need to prune it back, if you need to shape it and give it a bit of structure, then fine, you can certainly do that. Um, but generally speaking, forest flame don't require a lot of cutting back. In in terms of the lupins, yes, the fact that they've, they've, the wind has them damaged, if you cut them back now, they'll regrow again and should reflower again and you'll find lupins in general I think I mentioned last week that if they're producing seed the seed heads Mm. and they'll start to do that now over the next two to three weeks deadhead those take off the old flowers continually it'll regrow again particularly if you feed it and you'll often get a second flush of flower in July and August Um, so certainly tidy back the ones that have been damaged by the wind feed them and they'll reflower again and the forest flame unless it needs pruning I'd leave it alone to be honest how and when do we prune back grape trees? Well, grapevines, um, really the, 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 the type of pruning you do at this time of year is the thinning out of the shoots. So they grow very, very vigorously. They have to be, or they, ideally you should grow them in a, a protected structure like a greenhouse or tunnel. Train them out on the, the roof of the greenhouse so that you're keeping them up high. You're training them out on the bars of the, of the greenhouse or tunnel. And it's only a matter of thinning out the shoots. So where you get excessive shoots on a stem you thin them out you take off some of the shoots um, the, another tip at this time of year is when they're produced they will be producing their their uh, bunches of fruit to shorten back prune back that stem to within about two leaves of the actual bunch so say for example the stem is about a foot long mm-hmm. and the, the bunch of grapes is hanging about six inches mm-hmm. into the stem prune it back by the tip of it by about four inches or five inches and just leave a leaf above the bunch of grapes and just tidy it back so really at this time of year grapes you're just tidying back you're taking out some of the bunches of fruit if they're producing a lot of them um, and then you're thinning back any side shoots and you're also shortening back the side shoots to within one leaf of the actual Mm -hmm. bunch of grapes themselves and again feed them regularly a a tomato feed or universal the Osmo feed about again every fortnight because again they're using lots of moisture and lots of nutrition to, to ripen the fruit and pray for a bit of good good weather. And pray for a bit of good <laughs> weather. Okay. Uh, what's the best feed for window boxes? Do you think granules or liquid? Well, granulated feed can be added when you're planting them up. So you'd use a slow-release fertiliser when you're actually planting them up, mix it through the compost before you put in the plants. Um, at this time of year, if they're planted and flowering, then use the liquid feeds. Again, every 10 days to fortnight is ideal. 
again a high potash feed so um, a liquid tomato feed or the Osmo again would be ideal so all so really it's a bit of both as such if well I'm granulated feed when you're, when you're starting mm. yeah yeah, and you mix that and particularly the slow release because again it, it releases nutrition all season long um, and then the liquid feeds are really good at this time of year when you're washing them just give them a liquid feed and it helps to boost them on okay back to potatoes again for a second uh, my potatoes have a lovely green foliage with purple flowers sounds perfect do I leave them or do I need to cut them back or spray them with something like Roundup to give the potatoes a chance to grow. Okay. Well, Roundup mightn't be the best choice. It would not be the. I wouldn't recommend that whatsoever. That'll kill everything: stalks, flowers, and and tubers. And tuber, yeah. Right. So at this yeah. time of year, potatoes are growing vigorously. Many of them are coming into flower, and that's that's particularly the early varieties, when you see them flowering, once, once they go over flowering, they're generally red, ready for eating. So you literally just cut back the foliage, dig them up and, and start to use them. Um, commercially, a lot of the commercial potatoes at the end of the harvesting or just before the harvesting season, the growers will spray them with a treatment to kill off the foliage to make it easier to harvest. Ah. So they apply a treatment, not Roundup, but they apply a treatment to kill off the stems burn off the stems before harvesting it. And I'd say that's what the listener is thinking. Is, is thinking about doing. Don't do that. <laughs> Just allow the potatoes to grow. It depends what variety they are. Um, if they're an early variety like Duke of York or Red Duke of York or um, any of the early varieties, you'll be digging those in the next two weeks to three weeks. Um, if it's a main crop variety, just allow it to grow on, let the stems die back naturally and then harvest them. Don't be putting any weed killers okay. anywhere on the foliage or anywhere on the plants. Potatoes and Roundup do, do not, not mix. go together. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Absolutely not. Like Roundup will, will actually get down into the system of the plant, goes down into the root, kills roots of plants first and foremost. Um, so don't put that anywhere near your potatoes. So no, look, it just the blight treatment is the only thing they're going to need. You could give them a little bit of additional feed if you want, particularly with, with the wet weather we're having at the moment, a bit of vegetable feed. Um, apart from that, leave them alone. And then once the foliage starts to die back naturally, harvest them and enjoy them. Can I put the grazer spray on blackcurrants to stop the birds picking them, asks Sean and Chum. You can. Grazers is used to, to stop things like pigeons. Um, it'll stop hares and rabbits from... Um, Nibbling. Nibbling at plants. So you can use it. It's calcium. Um, but to be honest, I would, you know, you, you need to, har- if you harvest the blackcurrants early, as soon as they begin to ripen, um, that's, you know, that's you, you'll, or net them, net okay. them as well. But the grazers, it's only calcium that you're putting onto the uh, spray. So it'll help. Great. To brand. Now, we have another grapes question. Grapes are very popular uh, for some reason this morning. In my polytunnel, little grapes have appeared, but some are falling off. Why is this? Does it mean I'll have no grapes? No, no. Yeah, it's just but, similar to yep. the apples. It's just a bit of June drop um, and grapes will do that as well. They'll abort some of the fruit. You still probably need to thin out. So if you've got, say, 30 bunches on the, on the uh, grapevine, remove that to maybe... 15 or 18 bunches so allow just give the tr- the plant enough that it actually can carry okay. properly um, but no that's perfectly natural Right and here's another one uh, Another grape one? Uh, no a, a oh. kiwi one Alright oh, <laughs> um, uh, I sowed a kiwi self-fertile it had loads of jewel yellow and white flowers brushed both flowers with a brush to help the pollination but no kiwis are appearing no. that could be wrong well, newly- Is it hard to grow kiwis in Ireland? Well for, you need a protected environment so you need a, a tunnel, greenhouse. They can grow out of doors, but they won't fruit. But So to get them to fruit, they need to be inside in a protected environment. That's the, that's the <clears> first <throat> thing. Um, self-fertile varieties, mm. you do have to 
Do you have to do the brushing? You have to do the pollination, yes, same as peaches and nectarines. And often in their first and second year, they just they won't fruit for you. They need a couple of seasons to settle okay. in. Um, so give them, the listener's done everything fine. You could give them a bit of a liquid feed now. Um, but in their first and second year, you tend not to get fruit. That'll come third, fourth year as the plant actually gets a bit more mature. Um, you'll find the pollination far easier. So just leave it alone. Continue to feed it. Continue to train it. It's a, it's a vine, so you need to train it along oh, the stems. How can you vines? They're a, they're a kind of they're they're so, very similar to a grapevine. They're very oh, whippy sort of good. growth. You need to train them in to a structure to keep them neat and tidy. Um, a little bit of wire or netting yeah. in the in the tunnel. Uh, train them out in that for the summer. Continue to liquid feed them, and next season next again. Season do the cross-pollination yeah and there'll be, there'll be some fruit next year bit of patience obviously so it's a bit of a long-term project uh, one or two more questions before we uh, release you for your summer holidays Porik uh, I have a sweet pea sown last year but had no flowers last year and no flowers again this year okay it's probably the perennial it must be the perennial sweet pea they have the one that comes back year after yeah. year now it's early yet it's early you know normally sweet peas it's kind of mid-July and they need we need a bit more sunshine a little bit more what we're getting in May to get them to flower really well so look just continue to allow it to grow continue to train out the stems onto the support um, again you can use a, a tomato feed or a, a high rose fertiliser a high potash feed but sweet peas generally flower up till late September October so there's plenty of time yet for it to come into bloom Is it okay to prune mountain ash and cherry trees now? Well, if you prune your mountain ash, you're going to lose the berries. Right. So they're, they're um, I mean, the, the answer is if you need to prune them and you want to prune them back, you can. Certainly it'll encourage lots of new growth on the mountain ash, but you're going to lose the berries for this year. What was the other tree? Uh, the cherry. A cherry, yeah. Cherry trees can be pruned this time of year. Um, ideally a little bit earlier, but you can still prune now if you wish. But that should be done in the next week or 10 days. But certainly with the mountain ash, I'd leave it alone until... Um, allow it to bury um, unless you have to cut it back or unless you want to shape the tree and give it a kind of a bushier uh, structure then you could certainly prune it now but you lose the berries for this winter now we're going to finish on lupins and why lupin plants are a real bee magnet but I notice the flowers are turning to seed now do I need to cut the stems or leave them alone and collect the seed in autumn well you can collect the seed if you want if you allow the, the, the seed heads to form they're going to stop flowering um, and you can collect the seed. Now you'll end up, if you have purple, for example, lupins, you'll end up with a mixture of different colours. They tend to be, they don't come true to type in terms of colour. Um, so you can do two options. If you want them to rebloom, I would take off all the old seed heads now, refeed them, they'll reshoot again and they'll come back into flower again. And, and at th- that stage, you can collect some seed if you wish. Or you can allow the seed heads to form and collect the seed yourself, but that's going to stop them flowering this year. So my advice really is to deadhead them. them. Take off all the old seed heads, give them a feed, and let them come back into flower again for you. The bees will enjoy them in August again. August again, okay. Well, Porik, thank you so much for uh, the last couple of months. Have a lovely break over the summer. I will be back in September. And we we will be back in September and October. Keep an eye on the Facebook page because I'll be posting um, any hints and tips up there on a weekly basis. Okay, and for everybody else, get out and enjoy your gardens. That's it from me. Uh, Stand by Michael Neary coming your way after the news at 10 with Michael D. McAndrew. I'm back next Saturday just after 7. Have yourselves a great weekend.